magic is what happens when you find balance between method and madness, science and art. Welcome to the Magic Maker Podcast, the place where entrepreneurs who want to find magic can access aha moments and simple steps to big dreams. I'm your host, Jay Nicole Smith, but you can call me Nick. Let's get started, shall we? Magic Makers, welcome back to season four of the Magic Maker podcast. I am so thrilled to be coming to you with this season, which is going to be all about momentum. And we're coming at it in some interesting ways. This first interview I'm so thrilled about because it is with the amazing Denise Duffield Thomas, who is one of our keynote speakers at Magic Maker Live coming up in October. But as I'm recording this intro to you today, it is the first day of autumn, and it actually really feels like it here in the UK. Um, It's, you know, for many of us, this is our favorite time of year. We love summer, right? It's great. It's warm. We play. We get outside. But there's something so restorative about autumn, and it's such a great time to get back to work. So I'm really excited in this season to explore the ways that we as entrepreneurs really can create momentum in our businesses and in our brands, because it's all well and good to know the things and to kind of do the things here and there to try and build your brand, build your business. But it's really the momentum, consistently showing up and doing the work that really makes the difference. So as I mentioned, we're going to kick this season of Momentum off with an interview with the lovely Denise Duffield-Thomas. If you're not familiar with Denise, I'm excited to introduce her to you. She is phenomenal. She is a money mindset mentor. Recently, she wrote and published the book with Hay House, Chillpreneur. And I found her in my world several years ago when I read her book, Get Rich, Lucky Bitch, which is all about breaking through money mindset blocks. And if you're someone who's struggling with that, because let's face it, we all do, you might want to check out that book because it really did fundamentally change my life. So we'll link that up in the show notes for sure. But today what I want to chat with Denise about is connecting to a bit of magic. As you know, this is called the Magic Maker Podcast, and I sort of unashamedly am a person who is now raising my hand and saying, I believe in magic. And what I mean by magic is a pretty loose definition, but really all this stuff that you can't really totally define or necessarily prove that works, the unseen stuff that really, really helps you create the change that you're looking for. So in my definition of magic, magic, it includes everything from sort of whatever your version of spirituality is to using modalities like EFT and Reiki and kinesiology. Um, to, you know, some manifesting law of attraction stuff, whatever it is that is kind of beyond the super practical that really moves the needle on your growth. And it's taken me a long time to admit that this is what I believe in. And it's only after time and time again, this is the stuff that has actually worked for me. You know, you can really push through with your plans and your action steps and your metrics and your marketing for so long And at some point you have to give in and understand that this work that we have to do in our head, rewriting our stories and being able to, you know, get out of our own way comes down to something a little bit more intangible than, 
you know, our 30-day planner. So today, I'm really excited to talk to Denise about the stuff that has worked for her in her life in business, you know, building her multiple seven-figure business online, how she's done that by implementing some of this magic, and the stuff that has actually really worked for her, and she's going to give us some inside tips into what she's used and how she's used it, as well as a little bit of what life is like for her these days. Um, She calls herself, she's working on um, connecting to this title of being an unbusy mom. And as someone who's recently had a child, I, I really like this idea of, of claiming the title of unbusy because let's face it, we have a lot going on, all of us, and we can feel really busy. But, you know, I believe strongly that what we say and describe about ourselves really does continue to define our reality. And so I kind of like the idea of calling myself unbusy. Maybe that's something that you can adopt as well as you move forward into this Uh, somewhat potentially hectic time of year. So with that, I'm going to break into our interview with Denise. Thank you so much for being here. I'm really excited to bring you so many juicy episodes moving forward into this beautiful season of productivity. And uh, I think it's time we make some magic, shall we? Magic Makers, so excited to bring you one of my favorite human beings today. We are talking to Denise Duffield-Toffis, the original lucky bitch, and now the chillpreneur. And we are chatting about all things magical. So let's not delay, let's get right in. Denise, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Nick. It's so funny. As soon as you hit record and we started, I was like, oh my God, my my nose is itchy, my neck's itchy. And I'm, but I love the fact that we can have this technology. We're in opposite sides of the world from each other. And it is, it's magic. Don't you agree that the internet is magic? It is. And we're, yeah, the fact that we are, our time zones are so different and we can just, just connect. Just here we are in an instant. It's amazing. So it's really cool. Tell us about you. Give us the, give us the brief bio. So one of the things I like to tell people at the moment is that I'm an unbusy mom of three kids. Mm. And I deliberately use that word unbusy because when you have a business, I think, and you have passions and you have kids and you have all these things, people really want to put that busy label on you. So actually recently I, I officially put that into my official bio that I'm an unbusy mom of three of three. Um, I am an author. I am an entrepreneur. I'm a teacher of women and my speciality is in money blocks. So I help mostly women with their thoughts and feelings about money and their money beliefs. So we can all make more and change the world. Love that. There's a couple of things I want to highlight about that. The first one is that when I discovered you, which was, I don't know, five years ago or something now, I had money blocks. We all do. I still do, obviously. We all do. Yep. Um, But I didn't know it had a name. And I remember reading Get Rich Lucky Bitch and just being like, oh my gosh, this is a thing. And it has a name. And oh my gosh, there's solutions. Holy crap. This is amazing. Like, it was just so mind-blowing to me that this wasn't just my shit that was mine, that there, that other people had this, that not alone thing, but also that this particular thing had a name and that you had so many wonderful ways to deal with it. And I'd be interested quickly for you to tell us a little bit about how you discovered 
the name yourself, you know, that this is a money block and started working through them and discovering that this was sort of your superpower. Yeah. Well, I didn't know it was a thing either. I just thought I needed um, to be more ambitious or smarter or get another certificate or work harder. And I actually came across um, Kendall Summerhawk's work and she's amazing. She, um, she does a lot of money stuff and she teaches marketing and um, all of these amazing things. She's really great, but she was the first person who really kind of told me about this concept of money blocks. And as soon as I heard about it again, you go, Oh, of course, that's why I can't do all of these things. And so I've, um, I then did a bit of an exploration for myself and thought of all of the books that I've read about personal development. What if I applied that work just to money? And I feel like for a long time, women especially felt like we couldn't, that they have to be so separate. It's like there's personal development and there's spirituality and then there's money. And it's this thing over here that we're not allowed to talk about unless we're an accountant or a financial advisor. And it's, um, it's separate, you know, and it can't be loving and beautiful and it can't be funny and fun. Um, and I actually then, after I started doing my own stuff, I felt a really strong calling to do money work and I was so scared and mm. did not want to do it. I, I really felt like I rejected the calling and it just, I could feel it in my body. Um, people were coming to me, asking me to teach them, you know, well, you seem to be doing great in, in your coaching business. Like what's going on? I really felt like, okay, I'll go back to university and I'll do a, an accounting degree and then I'll do it. <laughs> or maybe I should become a financial advisor, not realizing that that's part of the problem is that we always separate money and it's okay for anyone to talk about money. You're, you have permission to talk about money in your own way. And so I literally kind of went, okay, universe, if you want me to pursue this topic, you have to make it super easy. I'm not putting myself out of my comfort zone <laughs> to do this. And of course I have in lots <laughs> of ways, but I was just like, at the beginning, you bring the clients to me because otherwise I'm out. Um, <laughs> Yeah. And that was, that was really how I got started. And to be honest, it's been, I wouldn't say it's every moment's been super easy, but I felt like I've been on purpose and that's such a powerful thing. Um, it doesn't mean it's been easy. doesn't mean that I haven't had self doubt, but, um, it just has felt like a, not the purpose of the world. I was just like, Oh, this is something that I can really help people with. And until I feel like I'm not helping people with it anymore, I'm going to keep doing it. Good for you. Thank God. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm happy too. <laughs> Clearly. Oh, well, key, right? That's key. So, um I want to ask you a little bit about where you're at in your life, but the first thing I want to just highlight, which was the second thing that you mentioned is this idea of, you know, sort of changing the world by I know it's a belief of yours that sort of wealthy women are going to be a huge part of of changing the world and that's a big part of your work is trying to help more women be wealthy. Um and I have a similar belief about entrepreneurs who are um, wanting to do good and also be wealthy, that there's this sort of, there's this really deep power within someone who wants to build a business to um, provide for themselves and to provide for their clients and also wants to make a difference in the world. And I'm curious um, if you, are you seeing that happening with the people who are coming through your programs? Are you seeing um, that, you know, there's this sort of 
butterfly effect of what the work that you're doing and helping you know each one of these thousands of women in the work that they're doing is that exciting are you seeing some of the results of these women going out and being more wealthy and being more confident and being able to do the work oh my god it's so inspiring um and i don't i'm not taking credit for any of those any of them but i like to think that i contributed a little bit to their journey and one of my wonderful boot campers shared um she got a helicopter to one of her events um i was like ah! like but i, I get ex- so excited when someone says i made my first like ten dollars like their mm-hmm. first passive income sale which we talked about before we hit record i find that just as exciting as someone said someone's like i hit a million dollars for the first time so i do see the ripple effect and, and i know the research around that too you know when women make more money. We tend to hire other women. We invest in our communities. We, we're um, philanthropic. We um, pay taxes. You know, we pay more taxes. We, we don't Novel. tend to, <laughs> yeah, we don't tend to find ways to, you know, like dodgily reduce our taxes. And I'm, I'm not even being, I'm not even generalizing here. Like there's research that, sh- that shows this. And even recently I was reading books about climate change and one of the top 10 solutions to climate change is to empower women um, because when women are more educated and have more money, they make choices around their, um, you know, farming practices and how many kids they're going to have and all of these things. And so I, I love the money factor of, you know, women being able to buy what they want to buy, but I also love the trickle down effect and the, um, the work that we can do to help women in every country of the world, women and, and minorities as well. We have a lot of people in my work who are, you know, non-binary and we, I do have men who are interested in my work too, but there is research there about investing in women has a measurable impact in countries, GDP and politics. And, oh my God, if we wanted to go into top, oh my gosh. Like, <laughs> yeah. One of the things I've discovered now that I'm a wealthy woman, because I am, I, you know, make several million dollars a year and I have for, for five years now, I've made multi-millions. And what, what's fascinating now is that you start to see behind the system and you realize that, you know, I still get one vote, but I can influence policy with my dollars. And unfortunately, there are a lot of bad people doing that. There are a lot of shitty people doing things like that in the world and so when women it's not just about when we make the money it's like we see behind the curtain of the system and we want to change the system Um, and I actually hired a philanthropy coach last year because I realized I didn't know how to be a philanthropist you know I'm not from money Um, I'm I guess I'm like a you know new money type person and I have no desire to spend it on toys I really want to spend it on changing the world um, and I wanted to get some advice on how to do that. So, um, but it's also okay to start your business to pay your freaking mortgage and like <laughs> pay ballet lessons for your kid. Like, you know, I think there's just something there though about women. When our needs are being met, we we give our excess time, energy, and resources to things that are important to us. And um, And that's true whether you're, you know, however much money you're making. If you have, if you just allow yourself to be taken care of, then you can do so much with your excess. 
Mm, and I find that even women who aren't taking care of do it as well. You know, it's just, I think, I don't know if this is just a core nurturing thing where we just want to help so bad. Because <laughs> I see that with a lot of entrepreneurs as well who haven't kind of met all of their needs yet, but it's such an important part of why they get up in the morning, um, which I think is so Absolutely. amazing. But you can only do that for so long. Yeah. You can only yeah. do that for so long when you're, when you're giving from your a deficit. And, um, and I see people who have such a desire to change the world but they're burnt out and they're broke. Yeah. And that's a hundred percent what motivates me to do the work that I do is I just, it just doesn't need to be that way. And mostly it's a choice that we're making, right? It's, I have to be broke in order to, or, you know, it's, it's all the stories that, that lead us into that place and to keep us there. So speaking of stories, I love that part of your story right now is that you're an unbusy mom. And as someone who has just become a mom and, runs my own business. I understand how the absolute beating heart of what busy means and whether or not you want to own that as a title. And it's been interesting because everyone I've talked to has said, it's crazy you're going back to work. Um, and as I was sharing with you before, the, um, before we started recording, it's been really interesting to me to see the impact of just having a child on my work because I had all the fear, right? And I was repeating Denise's words in my head that, that babies bring abundance, which um, is a mantra that Denise um, shares in her um, course. And I use that as a sort of anchor because of fear that once I had this baby that I was going to be different. I was going to lose my interest in my work. I wasn't going to have time, all the fears around what this baby meant. And what I found, which is what I was sharing with you, is that I think because I just, I love her by default. Like I don't have to think about it or try, which I feel like sometimes when we're trying to be <laughs> compassionate with ourselves, it's hard work, right? We feel like we have to put a lot of energy into that love. But this love, it's just like on tap. Like I don't have to do anything. It's just there. And so I found that it's been really interesting that because of all that love, because of that high vibration, all that good energy in my life that I'm just sucking good things to me like a magnet, like more than I ever have in my life. And it's taken me a minute to kind of look around and realize that this is happening and then be like, oh, this stuff does work. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> and actually, babies do bring abundance because look at all this love that comes easily. So I've been, when people have been asking me how I'm doing, you know, I go through the list in my head of like all the things that are hard and all the not sleep I'm having and all the, the fact that it's hard to have an eight week old in work and my husband's traveling and, you know, but what I'm trying to reflect instead is, is this is such a good time. This is just so good. And so I'm curious as you are, what season you're in right now as a non-busy mom of three, um, who actually has yeah. a lot of activities going on. What does that look like for you? Um, so my kids are five, three, and one. And I'm uh, turning 40 very soon. I would keep on saying in a couple of months, but it's actually in September. So <laughs> like five weeks. And I'm, so I really, I'm really feeling the season of um, turning. You know, I really feel like, oh, wow, it's the end of my child bearing, you know, like I'm, I don't want to get pregnant ever again. And I'm never going to breastfeed again and all of those things. So I feel there's some endings happening. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, I'm coming to the end of sort of nine years in my business. And so there's always some natural endings that come, I think, at the end of that cycle. 
and really feeling that too and feeling like some things have got to go and some things have got to simplify and we're building a house. And so when we move at the end of the year, it's a great opportunity to declutter physical possessions. So this feels like a really exciting period for me because it's some endings, but I know there's some, there's some big beginnings coming around the corner too. Um, and it is full, but I still don't feel busy. You know, I, I have a ton of help and I'm very honest about that. I have a wonderful nanny who comes um, four days a week. I have a housekeeper who comes every day to do the laundry and, and cook. So I don't feel this, a lot of stress that I know a lot of mums feel, you know, who don't have resources. Also, the, like a lot of guilt around asking for help and, and receiving help. So, um, and I don't think there's any part of me that's like, oh, I don't feel like I'm allowed to stay busy because, because I have lots of help. I just don't like being a busy person. I, I really like doing things on my own terms always. And I've done parenting and mothering on my own terms. Yeah, I imagine that those are skills you've been cultivating now for a while is being able to make those very conscious choices. I think that's part of that money work, isn't it? Of being able to really know yourself better by having to look inwards all the time and being able to make conscious choices about how you want to show up instead of just, because I think motherhood, entrepreneurship, they're very similar in the fact that they can just, they can just drag you, right? You can just get swept up in them and they can just drag you <laughs> instead of making any kind of conscious choice. Well, one of the things as well as bringing abundance, babies bring boundaries and opportunities to set boundaries. And the biggest boundary I had to set was with my partner because suddenly he could do anything he wanted. And I had to really like sort of go, no, you can't go to the gym. Like go, go on your lunch break, like working mums do. Like, um, and no, you're having a between 6am and 7am every single day. And I put it in his calendar um, because suddenly he had choice and I had no choice. Um, so there's a lot of boundary conversations there that was the start of it before we even really got the help and support that we paid for. And that was, <laughs> that was kind of hard. <laughs> it was hard for him too, because he doesn't have any role models around what that looks like and what, um, you know, he's the only active dad at school on the, you know, the, he's on the PNC. He's the only dad who goes to reading groups. So he, he was fearful about what that role is. And he, you know, he's the only dad that goes to play group and, and it's a bit daunting for dads to, to know what that new model of fatherhood looks like as well as for us. Like, you know, I, my mom wasn't an entrepreneur. Um, her mother, you know, did some stuff on the side, but like we don't have role models either about what this new space looks like where there's some stuff to deal with around your money and like if you're suddenly the breadwinner for example like it's it's pretty new yeah that's a great point about boundaries oh I can talk about boundaries all day because <laughs> I think that is one of those keys to really being able to give generously is to have boundaries right you're never going to be able to do one without the other um but I want to dive into this idea of busy and this is a great segue into the topic that I really want to dive into um today which is one of the things I see with the entrepreneurs that I work with, and certainly this has been true for me, is that we have a tendency to go straight to the busy work in order to feel a sense of accomplishment. 
So instead of doing some of the mindset stuff or dealing with our money stuff, or especially doing any marketing, we want to just do the busy work. We want to just get the products out the door. We want to just answer our email because it's easier. It just feels easier. And one of the things that we're exploring in this season around these habits to create momentum is consciously choosing to be in a creative mindset instead of a reactive mindset and getting out of that busy work and into doing the really meaningful stuff that is really, you know, that 20% that is really going to um, move us forward. And for me personal, personally, as someone who is kind of moving into this world of magical things that can make our life easier, can connect us with the universe, can help us have a high vibration. Even that language, right, is a little bit magical. And I feel like we, we dumb it down by calling it woo, right? It's the woo-woo stuff. Um, so I'm looking for other words to describe it that don't belittle it because it isn't, it isn't something that we should just be brushing aside. But if we're super practical, super left brain, high achieving, high performing, sometimes obviously, as you know, it can be difficult to embrace this stuff for the first time in our life. If we feel like other people are judging us for it, or we have to explain why we have crystals all over our house, and maybe other people don't necessarily buy into it, right? So the conversation I want to have today is first of all, how do we kind of make peace with this idea of magic? Um, in general, when it's kind of new to us. And then we'd love to explore, you know, a few of the magic practices, habits, or tools that have made the most difference for you in your life as an entrepreneur. Yeah, perfect. So I, I think I was a bit of a skeptic around the law of attraction myself because I'm a intensely practical person. I'm a Virgo um, I say that it's like, oh, but here's my, here's my star sign. Um, but I think now that I know about more about astrology, I am like, prove it to me kind of person. And when I started reading books about the law of attraction, I was really confused about what I should do. And it made me feel bad because I thought, well, obviously I'm not spiritual enough and I'm not good enough and I'm not a nice enough person for this to to work for me that was that was my there were my stories mm. around it and so what I started doing is is looking at okay well they say you have to feel good so what would that be what would that look like in really practical terms um you know it says you have to uh, fake it till you make it well what would that look like in really practical terms and so I actually start to think about it as brain training, you know, and, and most of the things around the law of attraction and some of the practices that we do in the law of attraction, you know, they, they can be linked to, you know, scientific phenomena around how your brain works. Um, you know, there's, I can't even remember all the like baby brain. I can't remember all of the things, but you know, when they say, Oh, um, if you want to buy a red car, then suddenly you see that red car everywhere everywhere so I was thinking well if those things happen anyway how can I reverse engineer that so I create things in my world to start thinking more about that red car and we can talk at some practical examples around that when it came to manifesting a really big goal for me and it was I wanted to buy a holiday house and I wanted to buy a cottage in the country so I started feeding my brain images of what that would look like. And from a practical point of view, it's not just about doing a dream board because dream boards are just one thing, right? So I started, I subscribed to a magazine 
called Country Style. And it's all about people who, who buy country cottages and fix them up. And so I started feeding my brain um, stories of that possibility because I needed to believe that that was possible for someone like me. And all of the stories are about people who are, I never thought I would live in the country and I never thought I would buy a property and I never thought I could afford it, but I fell in love with this place and, and there you go. So that was just one input, one input into my brain. And then I started browsing real estate listings and I put an alert and you can do this on most real estate listings. You can put in what you're looking for and it will alert you when something comes up. So I was getting these regular alerts again. And it's almost like having another person believe that that was possible for me, even though it was a phone app, <laughs> you know, it was like, mm -hmm. here's this property that you're looking for. And I was like, Oh, and I started to believe that I was looking for that property and I was allowed to look for that property. Then I started going on open houses and I would spend the weekend just going and visiting open houses because again, nothing will bring up your reasons why you can't have the thing than going and looking at the thing, <laughs> <laughs> whether it's a new car or um, a new house or going into a fancy store, it will totally bring up your beliefs of, I don't deserve this. I don't belong here you know, this is not for me. And so you have to acclimatize yourself to that space before you believe that you can have it. And that's why I always say to people, go and do that practical thing, go mm. sit on the couch. And because if they go, Oh no, I could never have something like that. Well, bingo. Of course you don't believe that it's even possible for you. Mm. So you have to put yourself into that uncomfortable position. So after a couple of weekends of like going to those open houses and saying to people, you know, well, this is the kind of thing we're looking for. Oh, well, we are looking for something like this. They believe you. So I started to believe it. Maybe I am looking for a property. Um, again, that's not like magic. That's just training your brain to believe something is, is possible. Like a, an Olympian rehearses their hurdles a million times before they actually go out and do it. And there's studies around that, that that visualization is super important for their performance. Then, um, there was a property that I found, but it didn't have an open house. It had appointment only viewings. So that challenged my self-belief. Mm. Are you really looking or are you not looking? Because it's free to go look. Mm. And, I, and I told myself too, I spoke to a realtor friend and she said, we love people who come to just look because a lot of time those people end up buying. <laughs> so she's like, don't be afraid. But it, it challenged my self-belief, my self-perception. Um, so I went to this property and instead of being a cottage that I could just go and hang out on the weekends, it's a rose farm. <laughs> it's a rose farm with 10 acres and commercial buildings. And I fell in love with it. So then it challenged my self-belief about, because first of all, I said, universe, this is 5, 10, 20 years too early this is, this is the wrong timing. So then I was like, okay, how can I believe to myself that this is possible? So I did two things. I called my mortgage broker and said, how do we make this happen? Um, I invited my financial advisors to come out and see the property because I had to enroll other people in my dream. They all said I was crazy until they came out and they saw it too. But then I did all these other things. So I was like, Rose farm. Okay. So I wonder if I can show it on this phone. No, it's not on this one. I put a screenshot of the property on my phone. You pick up your phone how many times a day? 
a billion for me. Every time I saw it, I'd get a little. Mm, that little jolt. Yeah, which is excitement, right? Um, after a million times of seeing it, again, you start to go, wow. And you could put words on it to say, like, my, you know, this is me or this is me at my rose farm. Um, so I did that. And then I actually went, I really, really want this. So how many ways can I convince myself that this is a done deal? So I started deliberately creating synchronicities because you know, when you ask the universe for a sign, you're like, universe, give me a sign, give me a sign. Mm. So, um, one of the signs I saw, I I was, uh, going to the bathroom and I noticed that my toilet paper had roses on it. And I was like, that's a sign. I'll take it. (laughs) That's a sign. So I was like, what can I create? How can I create these extra signs? So I started singing songs about roses and I'd get an earworm in my head. So I'd sing a song about roses. I listened to a song about roses. I used rose oil perfume. I um, burnt incense that's got roses in it. I started doing all these things, which sounds really, again, it's like, well, how does that, how does that help you? It helps you because you've got to build your belief. So then you can do the things that you need to do to get the thing. And to get the thing, to get that house, it didn't just necessarily happen by magic. I had to call brokers. I had to move money around. I had to sign contracts. I had to negotiate. I had to, um, uh, you know, get some extra sales that month to pay for it. I could have chickened out of all of those things, but I was like, but the toilet paper said I was going to get a rose farm. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you don't know what's going to make the difference for you in your self-belief. But for me, all of those little micro um, magic moments that I really orchestrated, deliberately orchestrated, they helped my belief to make the phone calls, send the emails, do the things. So when you look at it like that, you go, well, you made it happen from the action but it wasn't just the action. We know that there's a, there's a margin of magic that even skeptics have to believe, you know, that sometimes things just line up and they feel like they're just meant to be. And, um, and I believe in creating those as well to get as many of those belief points as possible. Yeah. I feel like overall this feeling of alignment, right. Being sort of energetically aligned with something. I was having a chat with my mastermind buddy the other day and realizing that there's this thing that I want that I am fundamentally not energetically aligned with, which sounds kind of fluffy, but the reality is when I think of it, it makes me uncomfortable. And it's Mm -hmm. such a strange thing. And I was asking my husband the other day, when you think of this, how do you feel? And he was like, neutral, whatever, you know, and I'm just like, (laughs) Whoa, it makes me so uncomfortable. And he's just like, whatever. You know, he's like, that's weird. Okay. Um, Cause it's not a thing for him, but I think that, and I was talking to my mastermind buddy and I said, how do I become energetically aligned with this thing? It feels, I can't believe it feels uncomfortable, but it definitely does. And I know there is no way in hell it's going to happen or arrive if I feel this uncomfortable with it, right? There's just no way it can exist here if I, if I feel like this about it. So this whole description that you're, you're talking about with the roses and with the, the farm, it feels to me like this sort of energetic alignment of like, as you say, it's already here. It's a foregone conclusion and it's known, right? It just is rather than having to make any of these decisions about, well, can I accept this or can I afford this? You know, it's much more, I mean, obviously those are practical things that have to be considered, but that it's about this 
this magnetic alignment of it just bringing it into a space that already exists for it rather than having this inherent, um, this inherent discomfort, which I think is what a lot of that self-sabotage, not making those emails, not doing those phone calls because there's this self-sabotage. I know you talk about that a lot, but I'd love to know, yeah. I'd love to explore like, what are some other, so we've talked about these really practical points within the laws of attraction. What are some other modalities or tools that you've used um, to help with the stories or to help take action or to help get you out of um, misalignment um, yeah. that have been really effective for you? Well, I think it's really important to um, know yourself and know how you like to learn and what's really powerful for you. Um, and I like to think of doing something in each of the modalities. So for example, if you really are an auditory person, I think being really mindful about literally what's going into your ears. Mm. So you can, um, when you get in your car and you plug in your phone to your, you know, whatever, Bluetooth, whatever it is, <laughs> um, uh, you, I think it's, there's always a song that can pop up. I, I don't know if you can, you can do it in iTunes or sometimes it's the last song you listen to, but I'm really mindful about the, the things that are coming in. So if you're an auditory person, that's super strong for you, then look at all the ways that you can hear your goals and dreams. So really easy at the moment. Podcasts are just such a great way to do that. Um, if you want to go deeper, you can, you can do speaking therapy. I think any types of therapy are great, but it's about finding the one that works for you. Um, if you need, if you know that you've got some really deep seated blocks that you need to let go of, I'm a huge fan of doing things like therapy. Um, subliminal audios as well are really great. If you're an auditory person, um, if you're more of a kinesthetic person, I think EFT is amazing because it's the words, um, but it's also the tapping emotional freedom technique. It's an amazing way to, to deal with blocks. If you're more a visual person, um, that's where it's really important to have your dream board sorted, you know, your, your goals on your, on your phone, that you have words around that you can see that you, um, you know, have pleasing pictures everywhere of your, of your goals. So you can just see it and go, yes, 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 yes. All the time. Um, what else? Oh, if you're an, um, olfactory person, you know, what smells remind you of that goal? Um, you know, whether it's incense or perfume, like I mentioned with mine. However, I think that one of the things that's really super, super powerful is visualization. And when it came particularly to the rose farm, I would try and find the most emotional, emotionally charged visualization I could. And for me, that was our kids getting married at the rose farm. <laughs> in like 30 years <laughs> and um piper's middle name is rose by the way and i can't remember if that if i found out about the rose farm first or if it was after she was born i think she was born in june i think i found out about it in july so again i was like it's inside but i would visualize walking like through the property with our kids getting married and so when I looked at it like that, I was like, well, this buying, it's just easy. <laughs> That's just like one step. Um, You're getting so all think, teary thinking about it. So this is yeah. obviously like a really emotional moment for you. It's so beautiful. Huge. But you need that. You need something to pull you through it because if it's just like, 
this is why I think business goals are good, are great, but I don't think business goals in themselves are that motivating. It's like, what is that business goal going to allow you to achieve or buy or, or do? That's the thing you've got to think about because then you can go, oh, okay, and here are the things I need to do for that thing. Um, so I, my philosophy around modalities is everything works. Everything works in its own way. There's nothing better or worse, but things resonate differently with each of us. Um, some people love tapping. Some people hate it. Some people find it really easy to visualize. Others don't. Um, so I like to practice what I call lazy manifesting. And it's, <laughs> yeah, it's like it's really easy to set your phone screen one time and then you never have to think about it again. But it's just as powerful as, you know, sitting and doing a dream board and cutting things out, which I haven't done for years. Um, I love using technology as my manifesting tools, having Pinterest boards. I would sit and browse all of the country cottages. I um, have a, a private saved folder in my Instagram of all amazing, inspiring things. So find what that is for you, your version of the Rose Farm, whether it's philanthropy or, um, a house that seems to be a very emotional one for a lot of women or a family or um, helping so many people, whatever it is, but you've, you've got to connect to it emotionally. I think every single day and as many times during the day as possible. That's why you've kind of got to do those automatic things that you don't really have to think about that pop up and surprise you. And there's been times where I've been manifesting things um, so much. I've printed out my dream boards. I put them on the inside of cupboards. Hmm. So I open my cupboard and go, forgot about that like oh yeah it gives you those little excited jolts um but everything works everything works you just have to try three things throw it throw your time at it and see which one resonates with you and gives you that little zing yeah i think i've heard denise's words in my head before because i remember reading in um, get rich lucky bitch the um throw everything at it just throw everything at it and that takes that takes so much of the pressure off, doesn't it? Because it's like, it's not this one thing. I have to try this one thing. And if this one thing doesn't work, then nothing works, right? If you're looking, yeah. if you're feeling skeptical and you're needing proof, you know, it just, it doesn't work that way. Um, and I think <laughs> that idea of, I love the idea of lazy manifesting, just throw anything and just try it all, do it all, see what works for you, I think is really great. And I think the last question I want to ask you about this, which I think might be the most important is, you know, in my work, um, helping entrepreneurs find freedom and fulfillment, there is the kind of the, the secret skeleton key to all of this stuff is really working on self-compassion and self-love, which oh. is like, yeah, <laughs> I know you talk a lot it's about It's the that only thing. It's the only thing. It is. It's the only you want to talk about productivity? Let's talk about self-love. You know, like it's the only thing. But one of the things I've found in my journey, and I know has been true for some of my clients, is that taking the very first step that allows us to do these things sometimes feels impossible. Actually giving yourself, allowing yourself the time to make a vision board. I was just talking to a friend of mine about creating an intention space. And she was like, have you done that yet? And I was like, no, because my office is now the nursery and there's no space for me and story, story, stories. She was like, do it in a box, make a box. That's your intention space. And then you have space that's your own. And I was like, oh, I can do that. But what happens is we stop ourselves from allowing ourselves to have these things or do these things um, in this sort of, I don't know if it's this like withholding 
um, because we don't deserve it or, but there's something that gets in the way of that very first step of being able to do that vision board or to change that password or create that screensaver that we don't allow ourselves to do that. Do you have any tips for getting through that very first hardest step of getting past yeah. that resistance? I think doing it with a friend can be really helpful. Um, and encouraging each other to do it or if you've got a supportive partner just to sit, to sit down like go through the book together or if you're doing my boot camp and just say okay we're both going to do that and and have that accountability but the deeper thing there is um it is self-love work and i think the gateway drug for me into this world was louise hay and you can mm. feel your life with so many of us that's our gateway because it was so simple. She just talked about self-love and acceptance and like, I approve of myself. <laughs> I was just like, Oh, I didn't realize that I needed that. Um, and even now when I get in a, a headspace where I think I'm not doing enough, I'm not helping enough people. I'm not doing the right thing. I'm not doing it perfectly. I'll put my hand on my heart and just as Louise says, all is well, all is well, all is well. And it calms my nervous system mm. down because Otherwise, I, I, it is just about, uh, well, I'm, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not enough in every way. Um, I think that's just a base practice for everyone, no matter what your journey is. I feel like I still have to do it all the time myself. So it's like having a shower. It's just basic hygiene this now. It has to be done. <laughs> it does because it's so easy not to love yourself. It's so easy to blame yourself and um, feel like you're not doing enough and society perpetuates that. And it's, it's not cool because we're not, no one's perfect, but we're enough for right now and we can always improve. But if you love and approve of yourself, God, if you don't have anyone in your corner, at least be in your own corner, mm. at least be one person in your own corner because it's the only person you can control. Once I really got that, um, I think a, a lot of things shifted and changed for me because then I could allow myself good things. Yeah. I could allow myself money. I could allow myself the gift of time and space to work on my business. Oh, that's a big one. Allowing myself time. Everyone asks me that all the time. How do I find time? How do I find time? I'm sure you hear that too. It's just like, mm, you're not going to find it. <laughs> you're never <laughs> going to find it. it. I don't know. <laughs> you got to make I it. I don't know where the time is. But I was meeting up with a friend for lunch today. She's my like, you know, entrepreneurial girlfriend. And we were talking about how a big lesson for us at the moment is allowing ourselves to hire really competent, amazing people. Mm. Because I was an amazing employee, but for about six months, because then I'd get bored because I'm an entrepreneur. But like I would pull things out of my butt last minute and I would, you know, I would just make it happen. And I, we were saying how we shield our employees from that because we feel like we're the only ones who can do that and, yeah. and how we just would love to give that up. And it's just that feeling too of just like, oh, I'm not allowed to have the support. Mm. I'm not allowed to have A plus rock stars working for me to really fully, truly support me. I'm not allowed to have that. I have to struggle. Um, and, oh, my God, if I could nail that, I just think the sky's the limit. And there's that big letting go piece, isn't there, that we were talking about, that I was saying, my word for having had a baby is surrender, that there's just points of it where for the first time in my life, I've had zero choice but to just let go. Like, there's no other option. Like, I'm numb from the waist down. Like, you gotta, you know, like, 
And I think part of that for me anyway, that whole rock star employee thing is that if someone else is a rock star, you have to let them run with it. And that is so hard. <laughs> it's so hard. Oh. I'm like, <laughs> Because yeah. I was always the lone wolf as well when I was in, in corporate. I was like, I'll just do it all myself. And, um, you know, I still have a really small team. And I know that's just that same story of like, I'll just make do and I'll do it mm-hmm. myself. And it's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a huge thing, right? It's like, yeah, I can make anything work. And I can, but I don't want to anymore. And something that's really, we'll close this up in a second, but this is so relevant. I have to just say that um, one of my favorite business podcasts is um, James Wedmore. And he's got this whole concept about the death of the entrepreneur and the rise of the CEO, that there's this moment in your business, often when you're pursuing seven figures, where the entrepreneur has to die and the CEO has to take over. And that just like hit me in the gut where I was like, I will never let go of my identity as an entrepreneur. That is just like... I'm a hero. I'm a bootstrapper. I'm a, you know, like, and that was a huge moment for me of like, whoa, okay. Interesting. (laughs) Right. I love James so much. And, um, my story about James is that we met in Dallas in 2011 at Ali Brown's event. And we were both like, not baby, baby entrepreneurs, but you know, like we're really getting started in our journey. And he, he said, oh, you know, you can't get to six figures just doing it all yourself. And I said, watch me <laughs> and it was like dumb like why why um what's the point of doing it all yourself and you know and I totally did it by myself and then I got to a million dollars with one part-time assistant could I have done it quicker or easier with some help yeah probably but you know what like now I want to go from three to ten and I'm like I think it could be easier. <laughs> <laughs> There's probably like, an easier way. Yeah. It could be easier. And, and it's about really finding those amazing people um, and allowing them to be amazing and not and like, let me take that away from you. <laughs> that's its own form of magic, isn't it? That's one of the things that I'm learning that, you know, being able, you know, so many of us are so programmed to connect, right? As humans, we're programmed to connect and, part of that letting go piece and finding those people and hoping they'll stay and all the fear around people when it works, that magic, it's just impossible to be, isn't it? When you've got that support and when you know, James talks a lot about handing things to other people and letting them do, you know, letting them run with it, letting their genius shine through and that that's what it is to be a team. It's not you at the top doing all the things and then just delegating the stuff you don't like to individual people to do individual tasks. You know, that's not (laughs) really a team. Um, Anyway, I feel like we could talk about this all day. I'm just checking my battery. No, I'm not. I'm not a busy girl, but it is almost (laughs) the bed and bath time. Um, Not a busy girl. Um, So one thing I just want to mention quickly before we go is you're going to be joining us in London for the Magic Maker Live conference. Um, so we excited. are so excited. Um, and we're going to continue this conversation there because I know the, the people that I've spoken with so far just can't believe they're going to get to see you in person since you're on the other side of the world. And we've been waiting for you to come back, which is amazing. Um, yeah. Well, it's one of my favorite cities. So I'm thrilled to be coming back. And I, yeah, I can't wait to meet everybody. Yeah, it's going to be so fun. And we've got Ash Amberger as our day one keynote speaker. So I think having you two ladies on the same stage is going to be a little bit 
a little bit amazing, if I'm honest. We've never met in person either, but we have connected online. So I'm so excited to meet her in person. That's awesome. Cool. Yeah. So just wanted to mention that you can get more information about that at magicmakerlive.com. Tickets are on sale now. And um, for those of us um, out there who maybe aren't familiar with you, and this is the first time we've met you, where, um, where can they go to find out more about you? Yeah, I'm at denisedt.com. Tons of resources there. And that's my social handle everywhere. So Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, DeniseDT, stands for Duffield Thomas. I love Instagram. And so I always ask people, if you hear me on a podcast, um, you know, take a screenshot of the artwork for this podcast and tag myself and Nick and tell us an aha, like that you're actually going to implement. That's the, that's the best way to connect with me online because again, Virgo, I love being of use. And so when someone's like, Oh, I took this thing and then I did it. I'm like, Virgo gasms. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I was of service to them. That's so cool. Um, so yeah, please do that. Love that. That's a great idea. Thank you. And you have a new book out. I do. So I've got a book called Lucky Bitch about manifesting, a book called Get Rich Lucky Bitch around money. And my newest book, Chillpreneur, is all about business and doing things in an easier, I'm not going to say easy, just easier path of least resistance way. And, um, and you can find them in the normal places, you know, Amazon and all, all the places that books are sold basically. And the other thing I love is when people send me a picture of where they see my book out in the world, because I'm in Newcastle, Australia. And someone sent it to me the other day that they saw it in like Calgary. And I was just like, Oh my God, how does that, that's so cool. <laughs> that it's so cool. So isn't it? I used to get that yeah. with my book as well. And it would be in all these little random bookshelves. I got one the other day where it was on the coffee table in a HGTV show. It was just sitting there on the table. (laughs) That's my bucket list. Screenshotted the TV and I was like, oh my God. (laughs) Oh my God. I want that to happen. That is my bucket list. Okay. Thank you for giving me another idea. Now you've got something to manifest. I can send you the screenshot and you can replace my book with your book. (laughs) Oh my God. So cool. One of my friends, um, her book was, um, no, she was on the, in Orange is the New Black. She was on the TV in like one of the scenes. And then, yeah, I was like, oh my God. That's so cool. Yeah, cool. I know. Okay. <laughs> and the last thing I'll say is obviously we're going to have your book at the conference. And if you come yes. to the conference, you can have Denise sign your book there, Chillpreneur, that's or any right. book you want to bring. Because I got a lot out of Get Rich Lucky Bench yeah. as well. It's a great manual. Or for... your stomach or your boobs. All kind of <laughs> Body parts, babies. <laughs> thank you so much for the time Denise really appreciate it thanks for sharing your wisdom with us and we can't wait to see you in London my pleasure thanks Nick attention all UK based magic makers I want to share with you this amazing conference that we are having October 15th and 16th in London where the big promise is that we are going to get you crystal clear on your purpose, your products, and your communication so that you can go out there and attract and convert your ideal client with more ease. I am so, so, so excited about this event where I will be leading this incredible group of really tell it like it is women who are going to help you get past blocks in your business, who are going to help you with that 
communication, understanding your products. I'm going to lead you through learning more about your why. We have the amazing Ash Amberger on day one, who's going to help us get brave. The fantastic Denise Duffield-Thomas on day two, who's helping us with having a more chill business and working on that belief that money has to be hard to earn, as well as the fantastic Janet Murray, who is helping us look at our content. Jessica Lorimer, who is a seven-figure sales coach who's going to help us get past our fear of selling, as well as Catherine Watkin, who is a heart-centered sales coach who's going to help us make the sale not so salesy. And we've got Lisa Johnson, the passive income queen, my business partner from America, Jane Harrell, who is an amazing digital marketer, helping us with some of the more data-driven parts of our business. You would not believe the people we have on our Rebel panel as well. We're going to be talking about Instagram. We're going to be talking about what it's like to be a mom who's an entrepreneur. We're going to be talking a little bit about the pet space. We are going to be diving into so many ways that we can help you get that momentum and that consistency moving forward as we work on your communication, your purpose, and your products. So I hope you can join us. We are offering some incredible, really short-term offers, some giveaways, and some discounts. And all you need to do to get access to that is jump over to our free Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Magic Makers HQ. And that is where the conversation is happening. We have a two-for-one deal on tickets that's only good until October 1st, but we're helping match people up with buddies inside that group. So I'd love for you to come pop over there. If you're interested in coming to this conference, make sure you get involved and reach out over at facebook.com slash group slash magicmakershq. And if you've already got your ticket, I am so excited to see you there. If you're interested in upgrading to VIP, where you get to have an incredible drinks reception with Ash, an amazing intimate lunch with Denise, as well as a whole third day of masterminding where you will receive our 2020 Magic Maker printed planner. This beast is amazing Um, and it comes with it some extra planning calls throughout the year, which is our gift to you as a VIP guest. Then hop over to that group and let us know there or email us at team at jnicolesmith.com and we will help you get upgraded to VIP. Hope to see you there. Bye. Bye.